you're up early. Good for you. And welcome to the pre-W Smith Show on 760 WJR. Welcome indeed. Tuesday morning, October 4th here in the state of Michigan. We've got things kicked off for you on the pre-W Smith Show. Of course, we've got Paul W. coming up in the 6 a.m. hour right after news, traffic, and weather. Now listen, here's an assignment for you. Marie Osborne, great WJR reporter. She's got a great assignment. She's up in Traverse City at the North American Space Summit. Am I jealous or what? Hearing about the leading edge, cutting edge technologies and business opportunities going on that will really impact us here down on Earth, but happening in the next frontier space. It's really happening. It is indeed really happening right before our eyes. This is the generation that's going to see business and space become a reality. Marie, tell us what's going on up there in Traverse City at the North American Space Summit. Gavin, I know that we're smack dab in the middle of the North American Space Summit at Traverse City, Michigan. Tell us a little bit about what the summit is all about. The summit is basically covering the technologies, the industries, and the participants, both with hypersonic and low-Earth orbit space. So we are also highlighting women in space and their contributions past, present, and future. We have over 160. In fact, it was standing room only. And what we're finding now is that the uh, panels and the discussion is world-class. So what we have assembled is the talent, as well as um, putting together academia, government, and private industry to network together on opportunities. Now, I understand the idea here, too, is to focus on Michigan and the role Michigan can play in the future of expanding space exploration and what all space has to offer. Can you explain a little bit more about that? It is the talent. So the human talent of people with the innovations, the companies, the people that are actually putting the technologies into place, Michigan has both the tooling with the manufacturing that is used quite extensively in the space industry, along with logistics and analytic programs that are coming on board for space debris removal, for tracking objects and devices and material in space. Michigan has what I would consider a advantage over every other state in that we can do an incomplete supply chain. So, for instance, things can be manufactured here in the state, go through the lab, and into testing and into the field without shipping it across the country. It can all be done right here in the great state of Michigan. Well, those of us who know a little bit about manufacturing here in business, uh, here in Michigan, certainly know that that is the way things are done here. But are you seeing that the rest of the nation, are we having a hard time convincing the rest of the nation and those who are involved in space technology that Michigan is where it's at for the future? There's incumbent sources. So if you look at California, Texas, Florida, especially with deep space, meaning going to the moon and beyond, they have that pretty well wrapped up. But if you look at hypersonic and low earth orbit those are technologies that are emerging so where michigan can actually place themselves on the map is in these areas where the incumbent sources 
are not in place and that looking at the future of space, especially hypersonics and low Earth orbit, those analytic logistic companies and those companies that can manufacture new technologies that can be utilized in these industries can actually displace uh, those what we would call normal states that you'd look at for space with the product, the services that are incumbent upon understanding how new technologies will emerge and actually take hold in space. I think it's interesting that you said you're in particularly talking about tracking uh, in space and also the removal of space junk. Did I hear you correctly? Because I'm reading more and more about how that is a serious problem in space. It is. Just this week, uh, the announcement that deorbiting, what well, I would say non-commissioned satellites, now the company has five years. So you, the question there is who's actually going to pay for that. But the key there is understanding that space is not an unlimited space, that it has to be managed properly, and that those assets in space, we want them to be active, whereas instead of just uh, debris floating around, and remaining forever or actually causing an obstacle to other satellites and even traveling through low Earth orbit, now we have a focus on how to remove those objects that should be removed that present a potential hazard or harm to those uh, either going into space or parking their satellites in their Earth orbit. What about the tracking? Can you just give me a quick uh, thumbnail sketch on what that's all about? Basically, you can now, uh, there's 27,000 objects in space, probably three inches or more, that can be detected. In fact, you can detect even smaller ones. The point being that those objects are traveling at 17,000 miles an hour. So if they hit your satellite, if they hit a, a rocket going through low Earth orbit, that can cause considerable damage. So what we're now looking at is space getting congested. I use this. Uh, if you remember that uh, when you uh, see Sanford and Son, I go back a few years ago, if you remember that series, I will tell you whoever's the Sanford and Son of space will be a very wealthy uh, debris collection group because if you don't remove it, the potential harm that it can cause can displace or actually make your satellite inoperable. And the cost of that for let's say a GPS system could be literally in the millions of dollars, but also the unavailability of that service could be for months, if not years. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, what, what would that mean here on Earth? By the way, I love your analogy. I just love it. Also, I want to ask you, does this not have implications in terms of defense, our, our, the defense of, our, of this nation in particular, or maybe other nations? It does, because there's certain nefarious characters out there that are looking at the potential of what if they do create a larger debris field, and what would that do to your space program? So we have to be aware that the removal for what's up there, as well as what if someone were to utilize that, uh, for instance, what if they did blow up a couple satellites and create thousands of pieces of debris? How would that impact the nation's space program for putting more satellites or even launching through that debris field? So these are things that we now have to consider 
in uh, the defense of uh, the Americas because and our partners. Because, quite frankly, it could prevent us from utilizing some of the systems we want to deploy. Wow, so much to think about here, Gavin. Thank you so much for talking to us today.